Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 202. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, what's up, buddy? Uh, I've got a new fidget spinner type thing. I don't have a fidget spinner. I don't want a fidget spinner, but I use a guitar pick instead. Okay. Uh, And I think I told you that the other week that I'd been using that for a while, but the one I was using was a thin one. I like to do like Fat Mike from No Effects and use a very thin pick when I'm playing bass. Just allows me to do things, anyways. Um, but I have thicker ones, and this is so much better. It's also just more satisfying because you hear like the oh yeah, you got a nice little flick knock, going. and like it chews into your hand a little bit more. So like it just it's just a lot more satisfying, and I'm not breaking it. So I'm in another world right now of, of fidgeting. That's a major win. Um, Interesting day at the O'Leary household today, Mitch. Um, okay. So we are trying to prep the dog, the famous Casey Pupgraves. Um, she is not. She gets very anxious easily and gets scared easily. So not, you know, not the best or the bravest. So we're trying to prep her for the Fourth of July, which is coming up on Sunday. So we got her a. You ever see like those thunder vest things? My dog had one. I'll tell you why he doesn't have one anymore, but go on. Yes. So we've been putting it on her at night the last couple of nights to like get her used to the feel because she's we're going to try it on Sunday and see if that helps at all. But I don't think she's the biggest fan of having it on. She keeps like scratching at it. My dog also hated it. Couldn't stand it. Um, he wore it for a while, though, because he's also pretty anxious. Like today, for example just barked at anything anything any sound that he heard like ah losing my mind someone's here there's a murder at the door yeah, yeah. nothing anything uh, what makes it worse is that we're doing reno so my front door is all boarded up i have to go around the house to see if there's anyone there oh, oh god uh, anyways he doesn't have it anymore because when he was wearing he got sprayed by a skunk in our yard oh no and like right in his dumb face he, oh. he went right up to that dumb thing it's clear because he got sprayed right in his nose but, like, I guess the way he was turned, he was maybe looking towards it, and it kind of got him not only on the face and the nose, but right on the shirt. We could never uh, get rid of the smell. No, it's done. That's it. No, We got it out of the dog, just not out of the shirt for some reason. Oh, uh, well, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, so 
He's just anxious forever now. I guess so. Uh, we we have to do a post-mortem here, Mitch, because since the last time we talked, the New York Islanders season came to a close. So last week we were previewing Game 7 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, uh, well, unfortunately, Mitch, that Game 7 did not go well. So we will have to start today's show by pretty much just doing a recap on the playoffs, I guess, and, and feeling after Game 7. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot for the homies here. Mm-hmm. There you go. A subpar whiskey, but it, whiskey all the same. Oh, oh God. I love whiskey. Not that one. Um, yeah, that game seven didn't go as planned. I think the Islanders played well considering who they were playing against and how they were playing. Um, but they, they just got outmatched by talent. That's it. Or not even outmatched by talent. I shouldn't say that. It was outmatched by just a team that seemed hungrier. Yeah. Right, like they they capitalized on a shorthanded opportunity, and it, that's it. Right, Sorelli took the puck in, he fed it to the slot, it's in the net. That's it, game over. That that was that was the deciding goal of that game, and then the series. That's what it came down to. Forget the eight nothing loss. It came down to that. The Islanders couldn't allow, sorry, allowed a shorthanded goal and couldn't muster enough to get their own because like they're beaten up and, and sure enough Tampa Bay was as well mm-hmm. but Tampa had the goal they could sit back and, and just and relax for a little bit whereas the Islanders could not and they couldn't get anything going for it well they blocked 21 shots <laughs> in the game the Islanders couldn't get anything going towards the net and anytime they tried to it, it would get blocked by 10 Ryan McDonough might have had 18 of those 21 blocks it felt like <laughs> So think of that. The Islanders lost Game 7 by one goal. Their team was broken. So was Tampa, right? And mm-hmm. broken, I mean physically. But Tampa also, to, to save their season, maybe not, yeah, save their season and go to the Stanley Cup Finals, they quite literally parked the bus. And I, I, I don't say that negatively. There's nothing wrong with doing that. They had a one nothing lead against a team that doesn't generate much. So shut it down. And they did it. They did it well, and they deserve to be where they are. Um, the Islanders just need that extra little bit of, I'm going to say talent, but creativity, uh, and, and they probably get into that game, and they, they might very well be in the cup final. But that's how close they were. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's what made it so deflating is because of how close they came. And, you know, some people, they react with, oh, my God, you need wholesale changes. Other people are say just run it completely back, and you'll be completely fine. Uh Either way, no matter how you want to look at it, it's still, I don't know, it's almost a week later and still in the moment, just very, well, deflated still. I can only imagine what it's like for the players themselves. We saw the reactions immediately after the game. Like, Matthew Barzell was basically unconsolable. Um, I can only imagine what it's like for them because we still see it from a distance, right? Like, we're not actually on the ice. It's not actually our actions that dictate how things go. Uh, whereas it is for them. So it's it's a lot more real for them. If if it still kind of sucks for us a week later and we see it from the sidelines, it's going to take them all summer to get over it uh, and be not, not to be that they won't be motivated, but to, to generate the required motivation from that to push forward next year. And I'm sure they yeah. will, but still, it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard. No, absolutely. And uh, it was a very difficult uh, post-game pod after game seven for us too that's for sure yeah there was not a lot of energy there was not a lot of smiles there was some laughs but it wasn't because of uh you know good good time laughs right it was laughing at absurdity like losing to a shorthanded goal something they hadn't done all all damn season 
And, oh my god. No, absolutely, which... Sorry, I just cursed, didn't I? I said OMG. <laughs> Can't do that, right? Not, you're gonna get me all aggravated again. <laughs> just, I think people do it to just tick me off. I think so. It works. It, it works. Does, it does work. Hand up. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> so what we should do now, Mitch, is just go through, I guess, some of our overarching storylines from the playoffs and what our biggest takeaways or things we learned from the postseason. What a, what are some things that jumped out to you in the 2021 run? I th- this sounds obvious, but we all know it isn't. The New York Islanders are a Stanley Cup contender. Assuming they keep most of this core intact next year, and I'm, I'm sure they will, they're still a Stanley Cup contender. There's no question. Yeah. I they, I mean, they were in essentially a conference final back-to-back years. I, I don't know what else this team has to do to prove it, and you still somehow have naysayers online saying that they don't deserve to be there or coming up with any excuse. The first round, it was Tristan Yari was the reason why the Islanders advanced. Then it was the referees in the in the second round. Uh, and they, that narrative was running wild in the third round as well. It's just how many excuses do you have to have before admitting, hey, this team's just actually good? Right? Like, that's the thing. And, like, a lot of people will, will – and probably no one listening to this podcast necessarily because we're, we're preaching to the choir here of Islanders fans. But we, we constantly hear, like, well, they're not good analytically. This year they were. They were good. The analytics were good for them this year, and they were very good in in the analytics department in the playoffs, in the playoffs. last year yep. and this year. Like they're not like flying in the face of analytics, right? So like they passed the eye test, they passed the numbers test, they've passed every test. They are a Stanley Cup contender. There could be no question of that. Of course, you're going to have Rangers fans chiming and saying no. You're going to have Tampa Bay Lightning fans saying they haven't won it, so they're not. Uh, but if you're finishing the top four in in the playoffs, and I shouldn't say because they, they didn't finish top four in the league, but if you finish top four when it comes to the playoffs, you're a Stanley Cup contender. That That's how that works. I don't understand how it, you can think of it any other way. No, absolutely not. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. But it was good that they, I don't know, at least got back to where they were last year. Well, they technically, I guess, went a game further than they did last year if you want to do spin zone. Um so you do have that year-over-year growth, which I guess is what you want. So anything less than advancing to a Stanley Cup final would be a letdown. That That's the thing. So going into year three, I guess, of that is uh, going to be tough. If they don't make a Stanley Cup final next year, you can say regression. Um, what, what's the takeaway for you then? Mine is how much of a damn warrior J.G. Pajot is. Can we talk about that for a little bit here? So he came flying out of the gate in the first 12 games. So the first two series, he had 13 points. He didn't have a point in the Tampa series, but we'll talk about that a second. He was playing injured in that series. He had to have surgery on his hand this week, Mitch. And I have a nice little juicy number for you. You you would say hands are important when trying to take a face off, right? You've got to hold the stick to do so and be strong on it. So I would say yes. He won 57% of his faceoffs in the Tampa Bay series. Are you kidding me, Mitch? With a busted hand. Right. I mean, we don't know which one. It doesn't matter. Both of them have to do quite a bit of heavy lifting when it comes to the faceoff. 
it's just unbelievable. One, we saw it with the production in the first two series. He had, we know the intangibles, and they were still there in the first two rounds. And yeah, the scoring wasn't there in the third round, but how many big defensive zone faceoffs did this guy win in that series? Exactly. And, and the thing is that his impact goes beyond production. And we, we felt it in the Tampa series, right? Like, he wasn't putting up the points. He wasn't the same player because of that injury. But still, an 80% Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is still good enough to have on the roster. It's better than putting else than, than putting 100% Travis Zajac out there or, or someone else in that role. That's how damn good he is. Uh, but it really hurt us. I, I think we lean too much on him, right? Okay. Like, we, we put too much on, on his plate that uh, when he's not at his best because he's hurt and he needs surgery, things start falling apart. Well, I think you can make that case for a few guys. We saw that last year with Adam Pellick. We saw it yeah. last year with Casey Zekas. And I think we saw it this year with Anders Lee and J.G. Pajot. That That's it. So, like, unlike some teams, like the Pittsburgh Penguins, for example, the Islanders have a hard time bouncing back when they have an injury to an important player. Whereas the Pittsburgh Penguins can lose Evgeny Malkin and be all right. That's not the case for the Islanders. No. But if anything, put it in a positive sense, is like you say, Jean-Gabriel Peugeot is such a key cog in the Islanders' wheel that their success can be directly linked to him, as well as others, but not too many, others on this team. Um, and and that, that's a huge thing. And that's why Lula Amarillo is willing to pay what he paid to get him. So I don't want to hear any more hate from anyone else. And obviously, anyone listening to this is probably not the one spewing out like, we paid too much for Jean-Gabriel Peugeot. I don't think so. No. Um, seemingly not, especially come playoff time. But that was another one that stuck out to me and had to give him some credit there because that's just badass. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like 57% of faceoff draws with a busted up hand. That's insane. That's like Casey Zeke is playing with a broken eye, basically. Right? Like, yeah, there's retina detached. <laughs> These guys are warriors. <laughs> God damn it. Come on, man. I, I, I get an owie. I went running this morning, and my leg hurt from running, and I was, like, limping around the house. It hurt, sure, but, like, it's fine now. Yeah, I I rode the bike and did some leg workouts at the gym today, and I'm I'm very much so hobbled. So we're, we're, in, the same, we're in the same boat. Like, we can right? barely get through our day with, like, some light exercise, and <laughs> these guys are playing with, like, major injuries. It's wild. Yeah, who was it for Vegas? Was it Tuck? No, I don't think it was Tuck. Martinez played the entirety of the playoffs with a broken foot. How? <laughs> what? How do you do that? How do you skate with a broken... He couldn't tie his own skate. He was walking around on like... Or they were wheeling him around. How do you then skate? What are you doing? And he's not playing Noah Dobson minutes either. No, no, he's not exactly, right? He's top four Vegas minutes. He went all the way to the top four, right? And what is going on here? That's so wild. Obviously, it wasn't like broken where he couldn't like and mangled and falling to pieces, but like broken enough where you know, he's not going to do anything for six weeks now, probably longer. It's wild. Anyways, ridiculous. So going back to the Islanders, um, I, I guess the thing for them is that where do you go from here, right? Like, so they, they go all the way there, and then it's, okay, well, we were still one win away. Now what? And we've got all these things coming in the offseason. We're going to get to expansion here. Now what? That's the thing. And our next segment is expansion, so I'm going to hold off on talking about that for now. Uh, but I think they have to find a way to bring a majority of these guys back. And the reality of the situation is you're going to lose somebody in expansion, 
But I think you're crossing your fingers that it's someone who carries a five or five and a half million dollar cap number. Well, no. Well, both the guys that have a five and a half million dollar cap number. So never mind. Um, or not, right? Like if they're trying to keep it together, you don't want to lose anyone, whether it's say the one of the players you've mentioned there. I won't name them by name because we'll get to that in a second. Uh, you don't want to lose one of those, although you probably could. Uh, so like it's it's hard, right? Because you're you're a win away, and really when you consider this team, if they, if Jean Gabriel Pajot was healthy, they're probably in. If Anders Lee is healthy, they're I would say they're definitely in, and I'm gonna get to that in in, in a bit later on in the show. So like they're right there. You don't want to change too much because well already they don't like toying with the um, the chemistry in the room. So they're not going to go and make big changes and wholesale changes and, and start selling away players and doing all kinds of swaps. So, like, they're, they're kind of stuck with, not maybe not stuck, but they were restricted to who they have now. Um, and it's not going to be this wild offseason that we all think it's going to be. I, I think a lot of these players are coming back. Yeah, no, I, I definitely I agree with that. And I guess something that they could, quote-unquote, change, let some of the youth actually play. Yeah. Lula and Rilla kind of said that in his end of year presser, right? Yeah. Like no, like Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallstrom have to be like actually play. And I'm not talking about, you know, the 12 minutes a night for Noah Dobson, in the playoffs or most of the time, healthy scratch in the playoffs for Oliver Wallstrom. They need to be every day and playing. I don't know. depends what line Oliver Wallstrom is, but let's say, let's call it, I don't know, nice round number 15 minutes and Noah Dobson should probably be around at least 17 at minimum i would say higher th- yeah maybe minimum I, I would say averaging between 18 and 20 minutes yeah. for dobson and averaging 15 to 18 minutes for for wallstrom i would think and maybe that's a little bit on the high side so someone might have heard that and be like whoa that's a little high it, it, you might be right but somewhere within that range it, it can't be the these measly 12 minutes anymore he's learned he he's had the figurative you know um uh, clipboard right on the sidelines watching now it's time to let him run. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, that's one of the big things there is, for me, is one of the few things they could change. And, yes, Lou Lemerill did say that in uh, the presser at the end of the year. Um, so I hope that changes because I don't know how much more we can take of running out the the same guys in the, in the role where the, we know the, the ceiling is limited. The, the Leo Komarovs and, quite frankly, the Andy Greens. Can't keep, I understand, like, if you want to play Luke Komarov third line, cool, let's go. I'm fine with that. But there, there, you need to have someone else on the top line. Even if even if Anders Lee's injured, you've got to put someone else there. You can't keep doing it because it, it did not work. No, it, it didn't, unfortunately, not long enough anyway. Um, random, I'm going to throw us off the rails and get us back on very quickly. But it, okay. we were talking about when I was mentioned, going through guys who – seemingly get opportunity with the limited ceiling. Do you think the Islanders re-sign Michael Dalcole as an RFA? Yes. Okay. I think so. As like the 13th forward, maybe even like the third line Leo type of thing. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So uh, maybe another 750,000. No, 750,000. Yeah, I was right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. League minimum. I don't think it's anything more than that. Like the guy did nothing this year, right? Like I I don't have his stats in front of me right now, but if I I click here, will it bring it up? It will not. I want to say four points in 26 games. 
that I want right. That's I feel like that's sticking out in my brain for some reason. So that's what I'm going to go with. It is exactly four points in 26 games. Good job by you. Career 21 points in 111 NHL games. Yeah, we've said it before. That's a fifth overall pick, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, to be fair. I shouldn't be fair. It's not. Let's. It's been forever now. It's been seven years, right? Yeah, it, it's not. I don't know. Best case scenario, he's plays on the third line for twelve minutes a night. But that's the thing. Like, would you rather that, or would you rather let some of the youth, like Oliver Wallstrom, get his chance, or Kiefer Bellows get a chance? Yeah. If it means that we re-sign Dal Cole and then we're running out a third line, and by we I mean the Islanders running out a third line of Komarov, Peugeot, Dal Cole and Wallstrom doesn't get a sniff in the top six, there's a problem, right? Like, mm. Michael Dalcole should not be impeding the progress of uh, Oliver Wallstrom just because Michael Dalcole can give you okay defense and no offense, and he's 6'3", 200 pounds. That that shouldn't be it, although, you know, Oliver Wallstrom isn't too far behind. But, um, no, it, he should not be in the way of anyone at all. No. If anything, these other guys should be in the way of him. You would think so, but... We'll see if that changes. I agree. That's something that that stands out to me. Um, anything else here? Or are we getting into uh, expansion draft now? I think so. I, I don't think there's a lot to go off in terms of the playoffs. Like we know they were close. We know they're going to try again. Uh, there isn't going to be a rebuild right now. Um, I don't. I don't expect a rebuild until they they fail to make the playoffs or or they get bounced in the first round. And these guys are like thirty three, thirty four. So. They're going for it again next year. They're going to try to keep most of these guys. Don't be surprised if they don't make a, like a ton of moves to shake it up. That's fair. So while there will be some changes on this team, so let's get into the expansion draft. That's coming up in just a few weeks here, Mitch. So um, I guess what we should do is talk about first who we think is going to be protected and then figure out who options are for getting chosen. So... I'm going to operate under the assumption that we want to do a seven forwards, three defense, one goalie instead of eight skaters and one goalie. That's what I did. Um, I know we did ours independently, but I think we're going to come to basically the same list uh, based off of, uh, of course, we're using Cap Friendly's tool here. Uh, so good job, Cap Friendly, on that. Uh, my forwards is, are Barzal, Lee Nelson, Eberle, Bailey, Peugeot, Bo. Okay, I can already hear some people saying like Bailey. What the? the? I got. They're going to keep Bailey. The, 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 like, look at what he's done in the playoffs uh, alone, regardless yeah. of what he does in the regular season, which is still incredible. I protect. I protect Bailey. The one where I might change is I might take Eberle off and try and try to goat Seattle into taking him. Um, yeah. but then you get into the conversation of who you put on there in his place, which. Would you consider, I know he's technically a UFA, but would you consider putting Sezikis on that list? Yes. I didn't, but if you're opening up a forward spot to try to get them to pick Eberle, yeah, that that's a player that I would say, like, we want you so bad, we're going to maybe even waste a protected spot on you. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's what I would do instead. That would be my one change, but everything else we're in lockstep with so far. Yeah, and then when it comes to defense, I went Pollock, Mayfield, Pellick. Agree. Yes. Yeah. 
It, it, there's no question. You got your top two guys that received Norris votes, although both fifth round picks. Uh, thank you, Thomas Drans, for voting on Ryan Pollock. I forgot who voted for Adam Pollock. I think he voted Pollock. Doesn't matter either way. Um, and then Scott Mayfield, that $1.45 million, you'd be dumb not to. Yeah, no, exactly. You could maybe get into the whole debate of whether he should be in the top four or not, but still, um, I think for that price, more than fine. And he was very good in the playoffs, too, after a shaky regular season. Yeah, and then like when you look at who they can choose to protect, you're going Letty, Pollock, Hickey, Mayfield, Van de Sample, Wertherspoon, Ajo, Coburn, Green, Pellick. Yikes. Why would you pick anyone else? Anyone. Yeah, you're kind of again. You're probably hoping that if not, if Letty's not the one or Everly, like those are the two that jump out, which would help the Islanders the most in terms of freeing up cap. Yeah. So I assume you picked the same three, right? Yes. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like yeah. So now you're dangling Everly and and, and Letty there in terms of uh, impact, and I'm and I'm using that lightly. NHLers, and then you get to the goalkeeper, and I assume we both took Simeon Varlamov. Yes. Protects Simeon Varlamov. Uh, now, I'm not necessarily opposed to trading Simeon Varlamov, depending on what you have, to, what it takes to get uh, Ilya Sorokin done. Like if he's yeah, gonna, well, if he's going to cost you over four million dollars a year, can you afford to have nine nine and a half million dollars tied up to the goalies? Maybe, considering on how they played. You might you might be stuck doing it, right? He's got a modified no trade with what is it, sixteen team no trade list, so he can't go to half the league. Um, and now is the uh, is that half that he's willing to go to in need of a goalie? Who knows? How about Edmonton? especially at five million dollars? How about Edmonton? They have a ton of room. No I'm sure he, they're the first team on his list. <laughs> Why? You don't want to play with Connor McDavid? No one wants to go to Edmonton aside from Milan Lucic. <laughs> okay. He was the only one who said, like, I'm coming to Edmonton to play for, for uh, with McDavid. And he was the only one to say that so far. That's fair. Um, do they need him? Yes. Like, the fit with a Varlamov in, Ed- in Edmonton makes a ton of sense because they need a guy like him that fits. Um, but you're right. Can we afford, can the Islanders afford $9 million in goalies? Technically, yes. But then you've got to free up $4 million elsewhere. And they're their strength is defense, so you're not going to want to pull from that necessarily. And and they don't really have a ton of offense, so you're already going to deplete their offense that isn't necessarily strong. Yeesh, I don't know. Yeah, it's also a tough ask. And in this system, right? Like, we're talking about the Mitch Korn, Piero Greco, Barry Trotz combo. Why wouldn't you go and sign in whoever and be like, don't worry, we'll turn you into a Vezina backup. Don't worry about it. Because they've done it consistently. Or what about a veteran who knows it already, Pecorine? Yes, right? Like It just makes a ton of sense. And like you, you wrote earlier today, like they have links. Pecorine, Barry Trotz, and Mitch Korn. They know each other very well. Yeah. So, why, uh, why not come to the island? He's already, he being Pecorine already won a Vezina. Why don't you come here and try to help us win a cup by backing up uh, Ilya Sorokin? Right, I'm not actively saying that I want Semyon Varlamov moved off this team, but if it comes down to it and you have to free up cap space to just retain Pelic of, I almost said Varlamov, Sorokin or Beauvillier, the three, keep the three of them, then you might have to bite the bullet and do it, honestly. Honestly, you might, and it's not a bad... I can see Lou doing that, for sure. Finding a place for Simeon Varlamov, uh, who's 
should have won a Vezina. Maybe not should have won it, but like at least been a top two candidate. The fact that he was fifth is insane to me. Yeah. Uh, you could do that. You can make that room. You can make that move and know that you can bring someone in and make them look good. And if that someone is Pecarine, your your work just got a whole lot easier. Yeah, it's true. It is. And you can probably sign him to what? Two? Two million dollars? Maybe three? I think less than that. Corey Schneider went for league minimum. I think you probably get uh, maybe a milli. Keep in mind, Corey Schneider did not win a Vezina. I guess. But Corey Schneider was a pretty good goalie for the Devils for a while. True. Yep, you're right. So there's that. But, like, we're not talking ourselves into a $5 million goal. We're saving cap space. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's the point that I wanted to make. But, yes. Yeah. So now we've figured out who they're protecting based off of us. You, listener at home, might have a different list for different reasons. And that's fair. This is who we think they might want to keep. And I think our, our understanding in protecting these players is they want to keep the core intact. And this is doing it as with as, as close as they possibly can. Right. Exactly. So I would assume... On my list, the one I left, Everly and Letty Exposed. So those are the two big ones. Maybe Bellows. I think that's the one. If, if sorry, we have Everly and we have Letty. So if they come to the Islanders, they being the Kraken, and, and looking at our list and say like, okay, well, if the decision is we need more veteran presence, we need to hit the cap floor, they will take one of Letty or Everly for sure, guaranteed, no questions. But if they're already good with that, or they have better players than those two that chew up cap space and could be more productive, they will go for Bellows, for sure. Bellows, or honestly, I wouldn't like be so quick. Not that you wrote wrote them off, but I would also include uh, Otto Koivula and Sebastian Ajo on the list too. Yeah, so the, the ceiling is so much higher for Kiefer Bellows than, than either of those. That's true. And. I was doing a video, and I haven't released it yet, but on this subject specifically, when it comes to prospects that could be taken by, by Vegas, and I didn't include Ajo in that list, um, just because I don't think they're going to go that route. right? We've got a 25-year-old defenseman who's played for a hot second in the NHL. Maybe, maybe they see upside there because he does very well at the AHL level, but you compare him to Kiefer Bellows, and the ceiling is so much higher for Kiefer Bellows. Yes, his defense might not be great, but you've got a at least middle six, bare minimum middle six offensive threat in Kiefer Bellows who can score you 20 goals in a year. Minimum. You, you've got to take that. Yeah, I agree. I, w- I would, if it was up to me, I would take Bellows, and I agree with you. They have the, or he has the highest ceiling. It depends on what they're what they're looking for too like they're they're filling they're filling out a roster in all of this too so like if they're like oh we could really use you know a a bottom six guy who could throw the body around hello six foot four 225 pound dot and if they're looking for uh a lefty defenseman who can maybe move the puck a little bit that's cheaper than nick letty then maybe it's sebastian ajo you're absolutely right. A lot of these decisions are unknown to us, or a lot of these factors are un- unknown to us, right? Are we assuming they're trying to hit the cap or trying to stay at the cap floor? Then they're certainly not going to be taking Eberle and, and Nick Letty. Unless, of course, there's no one else available, right? Which I, I don't think is going to be the case. Everyone's going to be dangling dead money at them, whether through trades or, or the actual unprotected lists. Um, they will be able to easily hit the cap floor if not the cap ceiling, if they really wanted to. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the toughest part of projecting this is you don't know who they're going to take from the other teams, which that plays such a big role in this too. That's just it, right? Like if they, they take six goalies or if they take three goalies and they haven't come to the Islanders yet and you, and you think that they're going to take Varlamov, not you, you, Matt, but you, listener, they might not, right? And then, then what? Then, then in, in that situation, the Islanders don't have, I assume, a cap to, to shed where do we go from there um my thing now is do you think they make a trade like a grabowski like trade with with what with what they don't they traded a first and a second already this year so you trade your other first second? and second in 2022 and i and i know or the, like the colorado one at least or or yours whichever so first and second Andrew Ladd and some B-level prospect. Let's call it uh, Grant Hutton. And even then, I think that that's, that's still too high. Grant Hutton is, is not Jake Bischoff. Uh, he's better, I would say, um, for future considerations. And then they take Mitchell Van de or Ken Appleby or whatever. That'd be nice. Right? So you're, you're getting rid of Ladd. Yes, that's third year without your first round pick, but like, and a second round pick, but you're going, we're going for cup. This is what happens. Pittsburgh seems to always get away with never having a first round pick. Right. Or, or they get away with like having a really late one that turns into something. But yeah, if we don't have a first round pick three years in a row, but we're in semifinals every year and, and maybe even cup finals, that's the point. That's fine. That's the trade off. Okay. Sorry. My, my question was like, do you think that scenario would happen? I'd be I'd be surprised because that of what you said it would be three years in a row without a first round pick. Yeah, I give that a low probability of occurrence, like fifteen percent chance of that happening. Yeah, that fifteen might be generous. The only reason I'm that high is just because Lou's trying to keep this together. He's tried to keep it together for the last two years, right? And so it would really suck for someone to come in and just take take a player for free right like we're gonna take nick letty thank you very much and you're going now we don't have a puck moving defenseman even though he wasn't that great at doing it this year now we don't have one that we can rely that we know we can rely on say what you will about robin sallow and and i would uh but we he's untested at the nhl level yeah we we might like robin sallow but we've seen what they've done with oliver wallstrom and noah dobson who knows how much he's gonna play Exactly. Even though he's coming in as a 22-year-old playing professional level hockey at the Swedish at the Swedish uh, Hockey League, I, I I don't trust him to say like, "Cool, Robin, now you're going to be our puck moving guy." That's cool, right? And I'm sure Robin would love it, but I I don't think that that's the discussions they're having with him. No, no, I don't think or, so. Or will if Nick Letty leaves? That will. I'm I'm thinking. I'm still mulling over that idea of trading the first and the second to get Andrew Ladd to go bye bye. And that probably opens you up to re-sign Kyle Palmieri at that point. Exactly. Like, Kyle will take $5 million to stay here. He'll take four and a half probably to stay here, knowing that he can hit hit the heights he wants, and he can probably win a damn cup too. It wouldn't... I don't think it would be a long-term deal, though. Right? Oh, no. he's not. How old is he right now? 31? 30. I think he's 30 flat, but he might, he might be 31, actually. He's 30 now. I'm sure by next season he'll be, he'll be 31. Maybe he's got a summer birthday. Um, but, um, 
can we talk about Andrew Ladd in a second? I just want to put yeah. a pin on that. I yeah, we we'll, talk about this and then maybe talk about Andrew Ladd before yeah. down on the farm. We can loop. We can loop back. Okay, perfect. So, are we kind of made up with the mind that it's going to be one of Eberle, Letty, Bellows? Yeah, I, I, that's where I'm at right now. That's my top three. Yes. Yeah. Which I think is is good, right? Like we're not pinning ourselves to like it's got to be this guy or else it's a failure. We're giving ourselves a decent range where it could be a forward with a big contract. It could be a, a defenseman with a big contract or it could be a prospect, right? And we're setting ourselves for, for multiple possibilities, which is what GMs have to do because you don't know what's gonna what's actually going to come down. Um, but it, it can't, I don't think it's going to go another way. You can you can say maybe Otto Koivula, and I would have said that maybe a couple of weeks ago, but the more I think about it, the, the ceiling is just higher for Bellows. It, it doesn't make sense if Bellows is available to pick Otto Koivula. Yeah, I, know, I do tend to agree with you. Um, I will say that I think the forwards of the, the three that we're talking about, so uh, Eberle, Bellows, and Letty, I think the two forwards are a little bit more enticing. Uh, the reason being is, yes... Eberle and Letty have the same cap hit, but Eberle signed for three more years where they would be taking Letty just to have him for one year before he hits UFA. And with Bellows, he's cheap and controllable. And this, uh, as a prospect, maybe his ceiling isn't as high as it originally was when he was drafted, but I would still say a relatively high ceiling there too. So uh, I would say the f- two forwards are probably a little bit more enticing. Um, but I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that doesn't necessarily mean that Letty isn't going to be taken either. I'm just mulling something over my head when you said enticing and I'm and, and the contract link because those are very valid, valid points. Letty only has one year, right, on his deal. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that make him tradable? So let's say Seattle's like, we're not confident we can be Vegas 2.0 exactly. We're not confident that we're going to make it to, to the playoffs even. So why not bring in a guy like Letty for free that you can probably flip at the deadline for uh, a guess. first, at least a second? I would say even a first if he has an okay year. Uh, okay. I guess that that's true. I was looking at more of like a, trying to get a building block here. Sorry, flyers, I don't mean but... to say like, yeah, your idea was crap because I just thought of this cool thing, but no, no, I'm that's... building off of that. Yeah, no, 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 no. you said makes sense, and then you got to, and then we can think about that. Like, oh, now Nick Letty's, God, there's more potential there. God, this is so hard. Yeah, no, I and I didn't, I didn't take it that way either. I, the what where I was coming from was, hey, if I was trying to build a team, I don't know if I would take a 30 year old, but you bring up a mm. good point. Of if okay things aren't working out, then you flip him at the deadline for more value. So maybe the G, the GM of Seattle is thinking that way. This thing has more wrinkles than my grandma. <laughs> so now I have to walk it back. Maybe they're all three are enticing. I don't know. <laughs> There's so know? many wrinkles. Like, well, what if they think about this and what about that? Right? We're all like Charlie Day with the the the, the map and the, the, map. The, the red yarn all over the place. Oh God, this all is gonna be coming a- back to, to Seattle. It's going to be a very, very stressful few weeks here as we try to figure this out. Yeah, and, and man, and then we got the entry draft like three days later. Oh, yeah. Busy. Busy, busy week. And then free agency opens on the 28th. Another couple of days after that. Oh, my God. Crazy, dude. It's going to be wild. Yeah. So, Andrew Ladd. Yeah, let's get back into it. What the hell is going to go on with him? So we, we talked about the potential of trading him in a Michael Grabowski situation, but this isn't necessarily a Mike, well, not even close, a Michael Grabowski situation. 
because Grabowski was, was, was done. He was injured. He wasn't coming back. That's not the case with Ladd. I don't know. I, he, he only played one game last year in, in Bridgeport. You don't think they could say, hey, his knee isn't good enough to go? I don't think they can fudge it that much. Uh, like, Lou certainly has the potential because he's got the history. But the fact that he played a game, that screws things up a lot. And like in the middle of the year, right? It wasn't like he played in January and then didn't see the ice again. It, just, it was just like randomly throughout the year, boom, Andrew Ladd's on the roster. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? And he looked lost. Uh, and may, maybe he skates. He's like, you know what? Maybe my knee isn't good enough. Maybe that's a thing. But like, let's just say he's healthy enough to play. And they, they seem to impl- implicate that he was healthy enough to play. What the hell does that mean? Like, no one's going to take him. Right? Like, there's no value in bringing on a guy with a $5.5 million contract for two years who can't even crack the worst AHL squad for more than one game. That's true. So that, that this only applies for if he's able to go to LTIR that he could be moved. But I think the you can make a stronger case for him to going to LTIR now than you could probably a year ago. Maybe. I don't know. The fact that they say he's healthy really throws a big wrench into that. Well, now, they said that about Arabida, so who knows? But when was the last time that they said he was healthy? Didn't they just say it recently? Like like yesterday? Did they? Okay. Well, then, then it's the I question. Think, I'm pretty sure that Lou said like everyone is healthy. And in talking about Ladd himself, I want to bring it up now if I could find it. Of if course, he did. Whoa, today. I'm not downing you. If he did, if he did I, I missed it. Hand up on that one. Well, it's all kinds of... Yeah, so Compton said Ladd is healthy. Where it goes from there is uncertain. Two years left, right? Like, what the heck? Like, what do they do? What do they do on that, right? Like, they if he's healthy, they can't put him on LTIR unless all of a sudden the offseason, the Sturgeon waxes a knee and he can't play again. And I hope that doesn't happen for his sake. Right. Um, But if he's healthy, they can't put him at LTIR. Is he going to stick? Like, maybe retire. He, he pulls a Johnny Boychuk, right? That's the thing. Which is, is certainly possible. Like, look, buddy, you're not playing. You can't even crack, again, the worst AHL squad. What makes you think that we can trade you somewhere and you will play? That's a great point. I, I really do think retirement has to come into play eventually because uh, you go right back to the thing we were just saying. He played one game last year. He's played four games in the NHL over the last two years. If you want to go back the last three years, it's 30. <laughs> 30 of a possible what 82 plus well, 68 62. no yeah 60 whatever we're not a math podcast i don't know why we even do this con no. ourselves into it every damn week uh, yeah it does not play a lot of games um that doesn't make sense man why why keep doing it why why are we doing this to ourselves why is he doing this to himself focus on the next avenue of your career because it's coming quick but he, it's not like he hasn't made a ton of money. He's made six, not including the next two years of his contract. He has made $60 million in his NHL career. And like, even if you retire, and I'm using air quotes here, Ella Boychuk, you're still getting paid through insurance, right? Because you would go to LTIR type of thing, I imagine in his case. Um, and that that's it. Like, you're still getting paid. It's paid out by someone else but the team. Uh, but at least at this point, you're helping the team. 
that sounds bad to say, but like it really is. It really comes. But that's what that. that's what it boils down to. It's harsh to say, but imagine the guy played one game last year for the worst AHL team in the league and didn't do anything in that game. Like he he looked maybe not like the worst player on the team, but he 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 did not look comfortable. And I, I guess that doesn't that sounds about right. He played one game, and the last one was in the playoffs, right? And he did not look good there. No. Yeah. Not great. So. I just wanted to bring it back to that because we talked about him, and it's just kind of like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do there because it could go any which way. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that back up. Uh, do we have anything for Down on the Farm this week? Not really. Nothing is happening right now, as makes sense. Everyone's getting ready for the draft. Um, the Islanders will draft 59th overall, their first one. Who knows who they're going to pick? I, I've taken a look, but like, the, the scouting is all over the place because they've barely played this year. Um, and, and that's really it. There isn't a whole lot going on. Uh, I hope to talk to uh, at least one player who's... I, I hope to talk to Ben Miragres this week. Uh, I should be speaking to him uh, hopefully on Friday uh, and then maybe get a sense of like what's going on between him and the Islanders. Is he going to sign you know, or, or not? Because he's a RFA, I believe. Okay. I do have a, a little bit of an off-the-board question, I guess. Yes. But- so, Anatoly Goloshev is going to be an RFA. Yeah. One, what do you think you're looking at on a re-sign? And two, do you think he has a NHL chance next year? I think he's got a chance to make the NHL. I, I really do. In terms of AAV, I would say it's going to be like the Jan Kobosh treatment. $2 million max. might be less because of COVID and, and where the Islanders are in terms of um, their roster, or sorry, their their cap situation, but yeah, something between one point five and two million dollars, and I can really see him making the team for sure. Okay, so you think he's uh, an option on the third line, maybe? Yeah, if if they go through camp and they prefer him over Michael Dalcole, and I think that's a possibility, they'll play him. I should hope so. He gives more than than Michael Dalcole could. Okay, that's someone who again I was playing around on cap friendly a lot this week, and nice. uh, his name kept coming up, so I was like, let me ask about Goloshev. Yeah, um, the thing with, with I want to come back with with Ben Miragres for a second. It's yes. not that he's an RFA; it's that they hold his NHL rights up until August fifteenth. I just want to get the date right. Yes, August fifteenth, twenty twenty one. If he's not signed to an NHL deal by that date, the Islanders no longer hold his rights. And okay. like that's not catastrophic, but he's still there's there's something there. There's something there with this player. Maybe not at the NHL level, but at least at the AHL level and maybe beyond. Right. Um, to let him just walk for free seems like a bad idea. No, I agree. I think they should find a way to get it done. So unless he's sticking to college another year, and then I believe that kicks it down the road in another uh, one more year. One more year, yeah, Makes right? Because they it expires, I think, at when his graduating class is done. And if he's not graduating until next year, well, then that would be his That'd graduating be. class. Okay, makes sense. So that was it for down on the farm. So basically, nothing. That's just okay. a little update. There we go. Quiz time. Let's go. So, new format-ish for the quiz. I'm no like longer it. linking this to the number of episodes, even though we're at 201 episodes on the Eyes on Isles podcast. Uh, but same game. So, I have a mystery New York Islander for you, Matt. You have five clues to guess who he is. You, they get progressively easier as they go. Are you ready? Let's do it. One, I'm a former first-round pick. Uh, Griffin Reinhardt. Incorrect. Two good guess. Uh, I played for the Windsor Spitfires. Josh Hosang. 
Wow. Wow. Uh, yes. I thought you were going to go Josh Bailey. Wow. Good job. Oh, wow. You caught me by surprise there, which is why I put it number two. Crushing it. All right, let's go. What are the other Crushing clues? I'm it. curious. Uh, three, scored my first goal against Edmonton. Four, I've played for two AHL teams. I thought I'd give it away there. And five, Gar Snow said they shit on him too. <laughs> if you remember that, if you don't yes. know what I'm talking about, it's um, from when they drafted him. Garth was uh, speaking with uh, TSN's James Duthie, and I'm pretty sure he was a little drunk. Uh, went up and it. spoke and said said those words, and like, because James Duthie was intimating, like, you know, Joshua saying is getting a lot of bad press right now, and said like, well, he'd fit with me with them. They crap on me too. I don't know why I said crap that time. Either way, um, but I do bring Joshua saying up for one reason. Okay. It's nothing to do with 201. It's to do with the fact that he now becomes a UFA. I, I don't think any team signs him. I don't think so either. I really don't. I'm really just kind of, it's now the end of the road for the Islanders and Joshua Sang. I would imagine. I, I don't think there's any kind of like bring him one back. more year deal like in the cards. <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine if they brought him back? They, they won't. I don't think so. But like, yeah, it's the end of the road and it's, it's been one hell of a rocky road, and I, I wish him luck wherever he goes. Where do you think he goes? I don't know. I I haven't sent the email yet, but I'm trying to get in touch with, I want to get in touch with his former Swedish team, Linkoping, to just kind of be like, hey, do you think of, did you think of signing him? I want to wait until he's actually UFA. So I'm going to send it July 28, um, just because... I don't want them to come back to me like we have no discussions with players currently on under contract with another team because Josh was saying is still under contract with the Islanders. Gotcha. Totally fair. So I'm waiting to just kind of like, I'm going to, I have it queued up and the second July 28th hits Swedish time as well. Not even, I'm not even waiting North American time. Boom. Send. 12.01 AM their time. <laughs> exactly. I, I got to know is where he's going. I'm still going to follow him. I know no one's going to care outside of, of myself, but I, I, I want to know what happens. I, I want to see him succeed somewhere. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll have to see. But Shall we get to social? Let's go. Uh, my first one is, Matt, can you tell me who Josh Roberts is? <laughs> what? <laughs> the TikTok guy is Josh Richards. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, tells you all you need to know about my knowledge of who the hell this person well, is. Well, I'm who glad the hell is he? I'm glad you asked because I figured as the millennial on this show, which he's not he's a Gen Zer, Mitch. He is I'm a little old to know who he is, if that to make you feel even more old at this point. But I have some notes for you on who he is. That's what was going to be my first thing for the social. So, he has 25 million followers on TikTok. He does various kinds of content on there, lip syncing, dancing little sketches uh i don't really he doesn't really come up on my for you page i feel like i'm more in the like little niche tiktok groups where he is obviously one of the more famous ones on the app uh he lived in the sway house what is that the sway house is basically where uh, there was a, a group of other famous TikTokers. It was like a, a content house. So it would be like if me and you lived together and just created content all day long. Okay, I've heard that for like gaming. So like you had, well, TLO, which was a, a, a Team Liquid, which was a, a StarCraft team. They all lived in the same house. And you, and you have that, like Team Envy and, and all. So I, I get that concept. 
but through a gamer lens. So I, I get it. I, I'm there with you. Okay, I understand what Sway House is now. Uh, he lives in the same country you do. He's from Canada originally. 19 years old. Uh, and really like pulse. If you want to, if the NHL is trying to get Gen Z, like this is really a, a perfect guy to do that because he has the most famous and up and coming app right now, TikTok. He's he grabbed it by the throat and he's just dominating on the app right now. So he's also advising other. Uh, it's like thriller or thriller, something like that. I, I saw that. I, I did some some basic research on this person before I asked because I I don't get him. Uh, but yeah, thriller is another so, type of. Yeah, he's basically at nineteen. This is honestly pretty impressive. At nineteen years old, he's basically a social media consultant for a lot of people. Okay. Um, yeah, I I just don't. I'm old. I I understand this appointment is not for me. Uh, it's for the younger generation. It just when I I saw his most recent one because it came up on my Twitter timeline. I don't exist on TikTok. Um, I saw it and I went like, "What the hell is this?" He's just kind of like lip syncing at a Tampa Bay game, and I was going, "I don't get this. This does not appeal to me." And again, I understand it's not for me, but when I see this, I go like, "Cool. I don't think this is going to do anything." But like, I hope it does. I guess, but I, I don't think this is going to do anything. I don't know. There's no way to really know. I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea from the NHL. It's different. I wasn't expecting something like this. When I saw the news today, it very much so caught me off guard. So uh, his role is just like youth ambassador, basically? Yeah, I think he's just going to show up to some of their events and do make some content there. And then I think he'll also be like an advisor on what they should be doing for content. This sounds like a real like like a a Parks and Rec episode, right? And you you have like they're all trying to like be hit like Leslie's having I don't know some sort of function, right? For uh, this local park, and she's trying to find like the local influencer to come in, and so they they find some random big shot who just like shows up and does something that no one understands. I feel like I'm, I'm in a Park and Rec episode right now. I know it, it's it's different. A lot of the current fan base of, of hockey probably isn't going to understand this and get it. And, you know, I, I, I get that. Um, but if you look at leagues like the NBA, where they thrive is online. They're like the most viewed stuff on, on YouTube this past season for them. Uh, yeah. Where NHL doesn't get that kind of pull. So if they're able to capitalize on where the younger generation is, YouTube, TikTok, stuff like that. Uh, maybe it helps. I hope so. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah, we'll we'll see going forward. Uh, I don't really care for the the the, the barstool thing, but like, we'll see if that even becomes an issue. I, I think it is already, but we'll see if if this kid brings in even twenty other twenty year olds. It's twenty more than we had before, right? So like, the NHL definitely has an age issue, right? Where it's predominantly older, it's predominantly white as well. Um, but if they can reach younger, more diverse groups of people and he helps doing that, great. It remains to be seen if that's the case. But like, if this does it, all right, good job. There you go. So hopefully I answered some of your questions, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know his actual name. I don't know how I even upon, happened upon his stuff when I was researching it if I thought his name was Jason or Josh Roberts and that's not even his name. <laughs> Jesus, oh Murphy. How the um, hell do I type for a living? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so do you want me to give you my other one or you want to go again? You go for it. 
Okay. So the only I had some stuff for you on uh, Josh Richards. So my other one is a quote from Lou Lamarillo uh, when he was talking to the media the other day. He said Johnny Boychuk was a tremendous asset this season for the team and would like to keep him in the same role moving forward. So I have a question for you, Mitch. Mm-hmm. What is Johnny Boychuk's role? <laughs> Ambassador to keeping it cool. I don't. I don't right. know. Like I'm. I'm glad he's with the team. I'm glad he was around. He was in the press box and stuff like that. I'm glad that he will be here. You know, down the line. But when I read that quote, my initial thought was, "What does he do? What is yeah. he? Is he just like uh, just someone who's who's there? Do they have him on the ice coaching? Do they like what does he do?" From what I understand, he was on the ice helping defensemen. So not in necessarily a direct coaching role, right? Like under the the office, let's say, of Barry Trotz, but more of like a defense specialist advisor type thing. Um, and and I, what I said earlier kind of makes it seem like I don't think or that I don't value what Johnny Boychuk could bring to the organization. I very much do. So I, I don't know what his actual role is. I don't know what he's actually doing to help. Now, I'm sure he is. If Lou Lamarillo said he's helping, great, good. Uh, this should serve Andrew Ladd as a, like, look, buddy, we can make a space for you going after this. You might not have a job on the ice anymore, but we can get you a job off of it. Right. I think that's a great point. And I I didn't mean it, like, as po- poking fun at Johnny Boychuk. I was, just, I was no. genuinely curious because I don't think anyone really knows outside of Lou Lamarillo and the team what – Johnny Boychuk is doing there. No, I I know there there's tidbits flying here and there saying like, well, he's on the ice with defensemen and stuff, which makes sense. But outside of that, I don't think there's anything confirmed as to what his role actually is. Right. So, uh, my next one here comes from David Pignata saying, sounding like Andre Tourigny will become the new head coach of the Coyotes. Officially, mm-hmm. word comes tomorrow. Which the importance or the reason I'm bringing this up is that that then effectively ends any opportunity for Lane Lambert to become head coach as of now. There are no other openings in the NHL after that. So he's back. I would I would say he is, unless someone gets fired from here till there or till the start of the season. Rare. Although I, I don't think anyone's going to get fired so they can bring in Lane Lambert with all due respect to him. He has no direct head coaching experience, although he is an associate head coach for one of the better teams in the NHL. And re- responsible for defensemen, and that's their calling card, right? So sure. if there's anyone next in line, it should be him. But it seems it's going to be another year until maybe he gets another shot. This is a good thing for the Islanders, but I am very surprised that he hasn't gotten a job yet. I, I What's not helping him is that he hasn't been able to interview for any of these jobs, right? Like mm. He will not be allowed to interview while the Islanders are playing. That's not going to happen. And the Islanders go deep into the playoffs. So, like... Uh, unless they interviewed him and weren't impressed, uh, or they just didn't because they they, fa- they had already found their guy because they had they being the Coyotes so much time to figure it out before they could even speak to uh, to Lambert. We'll see, but yes, good thing for the Islanders. There you go. Do you have anything else? Yes, I have one last one here. This is from uh, James Nichols, mm. uh, although I can't seem to load it. For some, maybe he deleted it last before I. Just, anyways, he was just, someone was essentially saying that to him that the Islanders are a missing piece away, and where are they going to find that missing piece? And then James says, "Well, wouldn't that be Anders Lee?" Yes, I one hundred percent agree, with James. Yeah, yes. the missing piece is Anders Lee. 
Yeah, that was um, what I thought. So I did see that tweet, and I'm glad. As soon as you said the name, I was like, I know exactly what tweet he's going to be talking about. I agree. I mean, we talked about how many times did we, us two, on either this show or a Patreon show, talk about the importance of Anders Lee this year. When he was healthy, and then when he was missing, and then in the playoffs when he was still missing. Like, him coming back is going to be tremendous. Look how good that top line was when he was there. They were putting up monster numbers, and the power play, they were at, what, 23%? That's right. They were 13th in the league when he was here, and it caved after that. They fell to, like, 18%. Not good. Not good enough. No, it, it's just not good enough. You you can't have that when you, got, when you have the talent you have, but... When he comes back, this is going to be a game changer. And if he can be healthy again through this rush, uh, through this uh, run, which I expect him to go on again next year, that would be a difference maker for sure. Oh, without that, a doubt. That's the missing piece. I, I hope so. I can't. I am so excited for Anders Lee to come back. You have no idea. Oh, opening night is going to be insane. Um, I assume it's going to be opening night at UBS, right? I hope um, so. In November at some point. I, I want to be there desperately. Uh, please, God, let the borders be open. Yeah, I'm I'm really rooting for that. I, I can't wait for... Can you imagine that tailgate and content for us? Oh, my God, please. We need mm. to be there. Let's go, baby. That was the last one I had for the social segment. All right, let's do a couple plugs before we go. So understand that it's the off-season, but the Islanders content is not going to stop. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't to the Eyes on Isles podcast, wherever you get it. Uh, and leave a rating and review as well. That really helps us out a lot, and we appreciate the love and support. Speaking of subscriptions, you can subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles, and you get a whole bunch of stuff over there. So you get a mailbag show, which we're going to record right after this. Instead of post-game shows, now what you get is deep dives on topics. We broke down the playoffs earlier in the week. Uh, later this week, so tomorrow we're recording a podcast going a deep dive on the expansion draft, and we're going to cover a whole bunch of different topics on there, so you want to be along for the ride on that. Um, Discord is coming, uh, if not already live. It's there. There's just one last thing that we need to do, and then it, and it's good to go. Okay, so Discord coming very, very soon. Whole lot of content, um, a lot of fun. Anything else you want to add on that? just sign up sign up there's a ton of stuff to do ton of stuff to pick up there's a ton we have 145 patrons 145 Islanders fans that want exclusive content to just chill and hang out with again we're opening discord channels soon soon it's days away if not a day away um sign up today social media twitter at eyes on aisles fs my twitter is matt o'leary and why mitch is over at clo mitch facebook facebook.com slash eyes on aisles you could download the fan-sided app and get our website there or go to the website as well, eyesonisles.com. For all your New York Islanders needs, Mitch, episode number 202 in the books. It's been fun. Can't wait to do more of these, right, buddy? Oh, my God. I, I said 201 like 15 times during the show. That's what a wolf. <laughs> Anyways, 203, here we go. <laughs> That's going to do it. I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.